another traveler. Pull a chair up and rest your feet. Would you care for some food or a drink? Perhaps some information or a legendary tale. Come, stay a while and listen. Welcome to Tavern Legends, episode 5 of Table Talk. I'm Clayton Friedemann. And I'm Jacob Yombor. And today's topic of discussion is going to be about ability checks and skills and how to use them in the game of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, we'll talk about how to use them, how to use it from the Dungeon Master's point of view, setting how difficult the challenge should be, and when you should allow a player to use it. And then we'll also talk about some scenarios where that might show up. Kind of jiving right in. Skills and checks, what are they in Dungeons and & Dragons, and what, what are they for, essentially? I think a good way of putting it is to say that abilities, ability checks and ability scores are going to be more of a broad overview of your character in terms of how strong they are, how quick they are, but then skills are more of an expertise or a focus. Right. Tricks that you might have learned along the way. So are you really stealthy? Are you good at picking pockets? Maybe you're really good at breaking down doors. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so kind of going over that, there's ability scores and in Dungeons and & Dragons. And the, the, there's, there's six of them. The six ability scores are strength, dexterity, intelligence, wisdom, constitution, and charisma. And then, yeah, charisma is the last one. And each one of those is essentially up to you to decide how high or how low you want it to be so your character can be better at, at those proficient or at those, uh, those skills in the game and those ability scores. And those ability scores impact things like skills or your checks in the game. Right, and they'll also determine how good you are at combat or how knowledgeable you are for lore and NPC interactions, those kinds of things. Um, In terms of what you're going to use them for as a dungeon master, you'll be setting ability checks as a means for the players to interact with your world. and you'll set DCs based on how hard you think something should be. Right. And a DC, of, of course, is a is, is difficulty class. It's essentially a ranking in the Dungeons & Dragons game where um, it gives the DM a little bit of control over how hard a specific task is. So, for example, let's say you're trying to balance on a beam in the scenario, and this beam is is just normal it it doesn't have like a slippery surface or anything like that um you would you know you'd use dexterity to essentially balance on that but let's say it was slippery um you would have disadvantage on on a check to try to balance on that or you could make the dc difficulty class higher yeah so there's there's two ways to achieve a challenging Mm mm-hmm obstacle and as clay said disadvantage or we can increase the dc on this or yeah or both yeah uh so in fifth edition we have a basic uh, 
gradient for the difficulty going from 5 up to 30. So mm-hmm. 5 being very easy, 10 is easy, 15 is medium, with 30 being nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. So the way you could think of a very easy or DC 5 is something that almost anybody can achieve. Like right. that might be uh, maybe you're just jumping from stump to stump and they're only a foot apart. Like it's mm-hmm. not that hard to do, but you might have a chance of failure still. So we roll the dice to decide if it mm-hmm. succeeds. And since I mentioned that, I think it's important to touch on an ability check. You should really only use an ability check if there is a chance of failure. Yeah, that's a good point definitely to bring up. I mean, you're always, as a DM and a, as a player, you always want to kind of keep the game rolling and keep a good pace. So this is one way to definitely ensure that, that you keep the game going is not um, bogging down your game with too many dice rolls. So like... Jake was saying, like, a check from uh, stump to stump, one foot apart. Like, yeah, you might make someone roll for that. Maybe it might, in some DM's eyes, it might be easy where they can just do it without, you know. But yeah. let's say maybe it's raining outside heavily now. There's fog covering in front of you. You can barely see now that difficulty of jumping from those foot to foot stumps increases to maybe a 10 and then um, the need to roll actually comes into play. Yeah, and I think also if the consequences are going to be severe or like actually impact the character, that's another time where you would want to roll. So mm-hmm. if it's only a foot apart, but there's toxic water down below them for, or something like that, and you fall into the water and you get poisoned, then yeah, you're going to want to roll to make sure you can succeed on that. Right. Um. So that's so that's a good couple of um, skills and, and checks in the game, kind of tied into some ability scores. Um, we talked about some scenarios and how and how they can show up in our game. So um, you want to cover how how we can use them in in, in the world of Dungeons and Dragons and how we can interact with them. Um, you're saying we should offer some scenarios for, let's say, an example, maybe a fighter. So let's say a fighter is trying to keep the party from being sealed into a chamber and there's this stone door that's starting to drop in the doorway and it's a the really stereotypical like, oh no, we got to get out of here. Fighter gets in there and has to hoist it up. Maybe he's using a strength ability check to keep that door up or you could say a constitution ability check to endure the weight. So you have two ways you can kind of do that. You could let the player decide if they want to go one way or the other or you could just have the dm decide right then and there which way it's going to go Mm -hmm. another example would be for maybe a rogue is investigating an area to find some secret doors he's going to use a wisdom ability check with perception if he has the proficiency in that so then he could double up with get that bonus there and maybe he'll find the secret door maybe he won't it just depends on the dice obviously you got some uh, other examples? Yeah. Um, speaking on that party, um, let's say there's a wizard in this group. Um, this wizard's going to need to research some arcane ruins that are suddenly appearing on the ground. And the reasoning behind this is to discover their purpose and what, what kind of threat they may pose to the party. So to do that, you know, they may perform an arcana check to determine that. Um, another another 
um, example along those lines is a cleric noticing a symbol on the cover of a book. Um, the symbol may um, instill a memory in them where they can make a religion check to determine, oh, hey, this, this symbol belongs to this deity. I actually studied them in my, um, in my time at, at, at the church. So that's, that's, that's one kind of random scenario um, of this group of characters that we have um, to present to you. Um, yeah. That's just kind of a whole bunch of, um, like we said, random little bits. Like this could happen to your players throughout a dungeon or an adventure many times, not necessarily in the specific order or anything like that. Um, it was just a random example to kind of showcase the range and how broad some skill challenges can become. Right, and also to show how ability checks really can be used to cover just about any situation. There might not be a skill that covers it. Um, let's say, oh, like this makes me think back to 3.5. They used to have the use rope skill, which oh, yeah. is hyper-specific. They had a lot more specific skills than they do in 5th edition. Mm -hmm. And now, I mean, you could say it's a dexterity check. Or maybe a sleight of hand skill, or mm -hmm. maybe you're actually using intelligence because you want to make some really tough knots to get out of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and that brings up a point where you can actually choose to use whatever ability score sounds appropriate for the challenge in front of you. Mm -hmm. What do you could you care to elaborate on that a little bit more? So, let's say okay, intimidation is a charisma skill. Right, it's a charisma based skill. This is Probably one of my favorite examples of this. So let's say that some hulky human barbarian is trying to intimidate his prisoner. Thargoth the Destroyer. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, and Thargoth is going to intimidate this prisoner by showcasing his strength. Let's say he grabs a branch from nearby and he just snaps it in his bare hands. That's pretty frightening. And that's Unless not it's a, a dainty branch. <laughs> Unless it's just a little twig. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, that does not sound like a charisma ability to me. So which, when, yeah, which uh, intimidation normally falls under. Right. And so if I was the dungeon master for that group, I would allow, assuming that the player came up with a reason, like breaking a branch or lifting a horse over his head or something, I would allow him to use strength in place of charisma and... Assuming he has proficiency in intimidation, he could add that on on top of it. Right. Um, some interesting points there. Another kind of interesting thing that happens in the world of Dungeons and & Dragons and skill challenges and everything like that is, of course, um, your innate ability to kind of already notice things around you. Um, this kind of falls into a couple of categories. It's called a passive check. It, it falls into mainly perception, um, your ability to kind of perceive your surroundings. Um, essentially what it is is it's 10 plus your ability score or your ability modifier, which would be wisdom for perception in this scenario. And then you also add your proficiency bonus if proficient with that skill. So this right. is just kind of always an active on alert um, ability that you always have. So if like you're camping and everyone's talking and stuff like no one's really making a check to know what's going on around them but your passive check 
um, is what's going to be used in that scenario for the DM against stealth checks of creatures maybe sneaking up on you, for example, or right. or something like that. You notice someone running in the forest. So Yeah. Uh, it, passive checks are a great way for building suspense. It lets the dungeon master control what information is flowing back and forth. So let's say the party is camping. Um, if you are in the middle of this rest and you say, hey, can you guys make perception checks? Suddenly they're going to know something's up or they're going to be at least curious as to what's going on. So using passive checks lets you do a little more work behind the screen that they might not be aware of. So you can just check these passive scores. Does anybody have enough to beat this stealth? Then yes, okay, they see the creature approaching them. And then you can kind of role play that out however you mm -hmm. see fit since right. it's not an active yep. combat or anything. Yeah, so passive skills definitely, definitely important in the game of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah, and just to cover those quickly, I think the three main passive ones, perception and insight, and then there's investigation. Mm -hmm. Those are the three main passive. You could say a passive for anything, and sometimes you might say a passive could be used for if you're doing a task over and over. Yeah. Like uh, if you're just searching every square inch of a dungeon, you're mm -hmm. just going to use passive perception checks instead mm -hmm. of trying to roll every time because yep. the roll is intended to represent your best attempt at that moment. Yeah, and, and typically... If your passive is usually better than your roll, you're supposed to take the passive in, in that scenario, um, from from my understanding. I, I think that's a homebrew rule, honestly. I think it's one or the other. But what we do to help represent a character that's actually skilled in it, some situations you get to roll, and if your passive is better, you get to keep your passive. Mm -hmm. So it helps prevent, especially if you, if you really want the party to find a secret door or a clue or something of that sort. Right. It lets you give them a better chance. So these type of passive uh, scenarios show up quite a bit. So another um, random example we're going to kind of demonstrate to you now using our cleric, wizard, rogue, fighter group. Um, except this time, um, this is kind of more of a group skill challenge. They are working together to essentially solve this strange attack on a road yeah so there's two ways to do group checks um this one way would be almost more like saying a, a skill challenge which would be carried over from fourth edition idea which personally we really like the other way is what the fifth edition standard rules has which so we'll cover that one first group checks group checks in fifth edition in the player's handbook is when there's a task that a group is trying to achieve, such as uh, navigating their way through the wilderness. Stopping a fire. Yeah, um, and in those situations... Getting a ship ready to set sail. Yeah. We'll use everybody in the group to make an ability check, the relevant ability check. So if we're getting a ship ready for sailing real quick, we could say everybody's got to do athletics to just get the cargo in and hoist the sails mm -hmm. and all this stuff as You're fast as possible. You're trying to sneak up on a group of goblins, everyone make a group stealth check. Yeah. Um, in those situations, you have the whole group roll, and if at least half the group succeeds, you say the whole party succeeds. Mm -hmm. The idea being that the people who are really good at it are helping to make up for the deficiencies of the others. So let's let's do our adventuring party real quick. Let's say the rogue and the wizard, since they don't have heavy armor, they both pass, and the fighter and the cleric in heavy armor both fail. 
the rogue and the wizard are going to be able to notice that their party members are being loud and you know gesture like shh be quiet you know or maybe help you know keep them behind cover like they're about to run into the road and yank them back just in time that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, so that would be what is the standard group check option and our group skill challenge which we'll provide an example of here this one's more to be um it's like a a story version of a group check so you actually start with like one person decides what they want to do to solve the problem Another person offers a different skill, and they try their attempt to solve the problem. So you get multiple types of skills with different people attempting at different times mm-hmm. instead of just one group doing the same thing and going. So, Clay, go ahead and start us off with this mm-hmm. challenge one example. So your cleric is going to approach, and he's going to notice um, some wounds on the survivor. So he's going to start to study. Um, Let's set the scene so, oh yeah, well yeah, I, I did mention the strange attack on the road earlier. So the cleric's walking up to this attack, and he's he sees a survivor kind of just laying there breathing heavily, and he's going to attempt to study the wounds on the survivor to discover their source. So he's going to need to provide a medicine check, or in this case, um, that would use the wisdom ability score. Right. Um, so then after that, um, the wizard is kind of looking over the survivor as well while the cleric is attempting to discover the wounds and he's going to try to recall knowledge from studies using an intelligence check or um, a knowledge um, essentially check which would probably be based off of just intelligence yeah of him trying to reach back and remember what type of wounds these could be from the monster that that attacked the survivor or, or this this wagon and if, let's say the wizard is familiar with this specific type of creature, you could just give him proficiency to make it represent that he has a familiarity with them. Even though it might not be an arcana or mm-hmm. a nature check, you could still opt right. to do that. Or if, like, you, let's say it was a ranger class, like, I think, and it was a favorite enemy, they would have that ability. Yeah, so. yeah they, would. they would. They would have advantage. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, and then we still have, in this group challenge, let's look at what the rogue is going to do. So the rogue is watching the cleric and the wizard using their brains to figure out what's going on here. He'll try to look for tracks, see if he can find which way the creature might have gone or if there's any other clues around. So maybe he'll try a perception check and mm-hmm. search the scene. Maybe a body was dragged into the nearby bushes. Oh, yeah. Or maybe some survivors branched off and ran away. He finds those tracks. Yeah, or is it one creature or a pack of creatures? Mm-hmm, is right. it on the ground or is it flying? Is there no tracks? And that's that's another uh, wisdom-based skill as well. Yes. And then to finish up the skill challenge, we have the fighter. He didn't really play much of a role at this moment. Uh, but he, <laughs> He's watching the guard. Yeah, he could be doing perception checks on, to help the rogue. And then he could help get the survivor onto the horse, pack up the bags... Maybe he actually has to carry the survivor. Maybe there's no horse, so mm-hmm. he's going to have to use that strength and endurance to get... Yep, carry him on his yeah. back. Yeah. Carry um, him in his pouch like a mama kangaroo. <laughs> and then we have a second example here. We'll get through this one a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so this example, we're going to say there's an innocent prisoner. Let's say somebody was accused of a crime. Maybe they were stealing, caught stealing from a shop when really they weren't actually stealing at all. But they were taken prisoner anyway. Mm-hmm. So the cleric happens to speak to the guard, 
and he doesn't believe a word this guard is saying because of his insight check wisdom skill. Mm-hmm. And he decides to figure out if there's ill intentions, is the guard hiding something? Mm-hmm. So he's going to talk with him more using his insight. Right. So in this scenario also, it's worth mentioning, you could use that passive insight once again that we mentioned. If it's higher and it already does beat the bluff that this guard's trying to put on or these airs he's trying to put on to say, then use that use that passive insight as your DM and just don't even roll for it. Be like, oh, right away you recognize that. Or if you want to make it more dramatic or make it more difficult, then definitely have that roll for sure. Yeah, that, that's one of those things. And also the passive is not going to pick up on it. So he's going to be like, well, I don't believe him. Right. Because he technically wouldn't because his passive doesn't hit that mark. Assuming the guard is lying. Right, yep. Um, and then let's jump into what the rogue is going to do. He's decided that he wants to try and get the key out of the guard's pocket or find some way to get this prisoner out of this cell. So he's going to try a sleight of hand check, which is going to be a dexterity-based skill, and he's going to maybe he needs to add on a stealth too to sneak up to the guard, or maybe he's going to smooth talk the guard to try and distract him. Maybe he'll use a deception check or a, could try a persuasion check to persuade him to give up his post or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's some quite a few options to how you want to achieve getting the key mm-hmm. you just have to decide and the dm will base that skill off what you choose yeah essentially the situation will play out and he'll he'll show you what happens perhaps the fighter in your group can even help distract or and try to intimidate this guard while you're trying to pick pickpocket this key out of out of the guard's pocket or or uh, maybe you're just sneaking pickpocket past the, the guard key. yeah Something to that extent, maybe that maybe that fighter in the group is is doing that, um, and then all while that's happening, on top of that, um, your wizard in your party he he knows the history behind this prisoner and knows of their innocence because he's he's heard of this town and how it abuses its pol- uh, policing power to capture innocent people and everything. He's very familiar with this this territory, so he's going to make that intelligence check to recall that information. And lay out essentially a case of how this man is innocent. Play the lawyer. Play the lawyer <laughs> card right there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that will give us a pretty good overview of ability checks and skills. We talked about what they are, how to use them, and we provide some examples for how to use these. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're a core component of fifth edition so yep. make sure you take a little bit of time to get familiar with the ins and outs of some of the different skills and abilities um and then yeah I, if i mean if a situation pops up as a dm or a player where you like jake said mentioned this earlier i believe where you don't know the skill to use or the ability or the or to use in the situation you know always just go with you know what what you believe would be in general what would be the best answer yeah i i tend to say if if you can give a reason that sounds Mm -hmm. good to me for why you can do it and why you want to use an ability Mm -hmm. that particular ability present it to the table and let everyone kind of rule over like a democracy in a way i guess here's an example um, I was trying to have uh, my adventuring party for Storm King's Thunder climb up this muddy slope, and I decided that it was going to be an athletics check initially, and uh, the tabaxi rogue in the party is 
had a bit of a issue with that. He had no strength, he didn't have athletics, and it didn't really make sense for him to be struggling so much when he's this quick character. So I allowed him to use his acrobatics in place. Yeah, and also, yeah, has a climb speed. Yeah. That definitely helps, too. Yeah, that was the other part of his reasoning. mm -hmm. But, yeah. So, yeah, so we just wanted to present some skills and some ability scores and and checks in in D&D to give you just a brief understanding of how they work. But when you're getting into D&D or if you're still playing D&D and have been playing it, it's always good to revisit the skills and... um, uh, maybe you discover something new that you didn't realize before. Right. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things. Tripping people, using grapple checks. There's a whole mess of things. Yeah. Oh, I guess there's one more thing I want to touch on real quick. Yeah, Because no we What's talked it? about group checks. Um, I forgot to mention working together. Yep. Um, so this is... I think we kind of hinted on it a couple times, but we never really like fully encompassed what yeah, it means. So working together is different from a group check. This is the idea that two or more characters can team up to do Accomplish one skill. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be based on the situation. Uh, some skills are not going to be... You can't do two people to handle it. So like uh, the example they give in the PHB, I think, was... Uh, a, like threading a needle like you can't have four people trying to thread this needle it just won't work mm-hmm. but there are certain situations where it would be comical <laughs> yeah but like uh we we mentioned having the fighter help the rogue with the perception so that would be one of those things where they're working together so you're going to give uh advantage to achieve your skill but mm-hmm. you do have to pay attention to if you can help but also if you're proficient um at the skills that you can work together on, both characters would have to be able to do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. So the fighter is not going to have proficiency in thieves' tools, so he's not going to be able to help pick a lock. But if yeah. there's two rogues, they could work together. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe there is a fighter that does, but not this standard one. fighters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. But yeah, I think that about covers. It. Is there anything else that you wanted to hit on? I think <laughs> I think that'll be it. That's no more, it. No more last. No more notes. surprises. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, we just want to thank everyone for listening to um, episode five. We hope you guys have enjoyed our legendary tales. We we want to apologize. It took so long to get it out. We just got a little busy with the whole coronavirus pandemic and <laughs> yeah. just life and everything in general coming at us so we've we've kind of slowed down a little bit but we still want to get content out to you guys so yep so make sure you check out our facebook group uh tavern legends we also have at tavern legends on twitter is our handle we are currently tavern legends podcast right yep on Podbean, or on yeah on twitter and then, yeah, on Podbean, you can find our uh, our podcast. Yeah, that's where we're using as our host. Mm-hmm. So thanks for stopping in, guys. Uh, we hope you good weather and legendary tales. See ya.